0: We are back, my sisters and my brothers. It is the Detroiter covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State, presented by The Second String and TheSecondString.com. Folks, I'm your host, I'm Nick Bradley. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for jumping, hopping. I couldn't decide which one to say. Jopping on the wave. That is the Detroiter, the future of Detroit sports media. Listen, the future of just Detroit sports fans, the future of the community that is Detroit sports fans. I can't wait. I cannot wait for the year 2022. I'll tell you that right this instant. I don't know if there'll be another episode. Actually, yeah, I think I'll do on Thursday. So this won't be the final episode before the new year, but it'll be the second, the penultimate episode before the new year. I cannot wait for 2022. I felt, I really have, I don't know, maybe this is just my bias. I'm a little closer to the situation than most, but I've really felt the momentum build the last few months, whether it's the podcast, whether it's the TikTok, whether it's the shirts and what I do at the second string, I felt the momentum build from you guys. I felt the momentum build. Obviously, like I said, like the, the, the numbers themselves, like not just, you know, people interacting and feeling like I have more friends through this, but the numbers themselves, obviously like the followers, the listeners, everything slowly. It's like, we're finally starting to get some solid traction. We're on a day to day basis. Like, things are like, I see numbers getting higher and higher, higher. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. It is Christmas. Miracles exist. Haven't quite hit that point yet though. We're not talking like Joe Rogan numbers or anything, but progress is progress, dude. Progress is progress. Like when I started this, I can't even remember what I said in the very first episode. I know what I said as far as what I wanted this to be and the goal and I still agree with everything I said then but I don't know what I said as far as my expectation but my belief my when I went into this when I started this I started the detroiter earlier this summer in like June or July something like that the second string pod I started that in like May of 2020 so it's been a year and a half that I've been doing the podcast thing been almost 2 years that I've been doing the shirts cuz I did those before I did any of the content stuff um It's only been a few months since I've started doing the TikTok and and trying to grow that and like putting legit real effort into that. But when I started everything, when I started the content journey, obviously the shirts too, I knew it wasn't going to be an overnight. I knew I wasn't going to wake up one day with 10,000 listeners, 10,000 followers, Dave Portnoy in the DMs. I knew that wasn't going to be an overnight phenomenon. Nothing like this. I guess some things like this are very few. Very few things in general, content, sports aside, in anything anybody does in life, very few things go from non-existent to massive success overnight like that. So I knew it was going to be a long game. I knew a key ingredient would be patience, persistence, um, determination, I mean, confidence. Like, that's the funny thing, too, is this whole time I have felt good. I have felt good that it will improve and this will start to gain traction and will start to grow. And there will be people that tune in to every episode and there will be people that, that are excited when I release a new lion's design or whatever the case, or there are people that, you know, their day, they, they get a laugh when they see one of the TikToks. I, I feel like I've known, and now I certainly feel like it more than ever, that that would happen in whatever capacity, whether, whether it ever became or becomes big, 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 where it's like, I'm working for a barstool or if it stays more underground, whatever the case may be, I've always felt and I still do feel that that exists and the potentials there and that it will happen. So it's sweet. It's sweet to see these last few months, like it come to fruition. It, it, fucking it's, it's kind of like a relief, honestly, in a way it's a little bit of a relief. It's obviously super gratifying. Um, I don't know. makes me happy. Like it's good to see work not going unnoticed. It's good to see people enjoy what it is I'm trying to do. Um, it's good to see, I I know I like, shouldn't Oh, self-validation seems like a stupid thing to fucking care about, but it's good to know, like, Things that I – because I'm not doing the podcast. I don't put out shirts with the thought like, oh, whatever. Nobody will like that, but I'll do it anyway. I do them. I started this podcast with the thought, all right, what are the main media outlets of Detroit? 97.1, which I don't know how anybody listens to the radio, to be totally honest with you. Um, So, you know, if you do, God bless you. And if you do, you're probably an older generation. I don't know any kids my age like – tuning in to 97 One for the fucking Detroit sports talk that week. So I figured, okay, that's the main medium. That's the main platform that exists in the city. Obviously, since I started, I think Woodward sports is kind of a recent pop-up. They got a bunch of people working for them. They're kind of a real deal. They have money behind them and they're doing similar thing to me where it's podcasts, although they do live shows too, actually. So I don't really know if they're doing radio or po- I don't know what their thing is. But that didn't exist at the time. I wanted to create something in Detroit that is sports-centric because it is one of the best sports cities in America. I mean, that's a fact. That's a fact. It's fucking difficult at times to show it because the Lions, the Tigers, the Red Wings, the Pistons have all been disgraceful since like 2015. So the last six years, you know, haven't had a ton to show for it. You could, on the outsider's perspective, you may look at Detroit and go, oh, great sports city. No, but I know. I grew up there. I I remember years where things were going well, when the Tigers were good, when the Red Wings were good, kind of when the Pistons are good. I know the capability. I know the potential. I know that Detroit is a great sports city. I wanted to bring something, a platform, and then, like I said, I wanted that to grow into a community where people can come for the sports, where it's not super take yourself so seriously. Like I don't like that shit either. I don't like when people, when they do sports and it's like, Oh, you got to look at the stat look at these deep analytics, look at these stats. Which there are people that love that stuff, which fine, dude. That's whatever. That's your prerogative. Um and I yeah, like stats I guess are important here and there, but I'm not I don't listen to the radio to like hear advanced analytics on why some guy isn't as good as why the general po- I watch the sport. I feel like I have a pretty good gauge whatever sport it is, like this guy's good, this guy's bad. This person's causing problems, this guy's helping it, whatever. feel like I have a gauge of why things work, why they don't. And I just want to talk about it like a normal person, not like someone who fucking invented pro football focus. I just come on, talk like a normal person, make some jokes, try to make it more lighthearted, more comedic. Like I bought the very, you know, I said it, I want it to be barstool Detroit someday. That's the dream is I get paid ideally by barstool to do it. I want it to be like you're hanging out with your buddies talking about the Lions, talking about the Red Wings, talking about whoever. Like you're not fucking referencing this person's war in your in your friendly conversation with your friends. Maybe you are, but most like my friends, we're not bringing up fucking deep analytics when we're talking about sports. It's like this guy stinks, this guy doesn't, whatever. Bring the jokes, bring the humor, bring the lightheartedness. It's what I wanted to do, and I can feel it building. I don't know. If, I don't know how what it is from the other side like what you guys think if you guys feel it building or growing but certainly since september whether it's kind of just the feeling like the interaction and the feel that like people are starting to take notice and be like oh like it's the troiter guy or oh this oh it's the same guy the second string like he made this other design I saw a while back. It feels like there I don't want to say notoriety because <laughs> that sounds like too strong of a word, but it feels like some nor- notoriety and traction is building. It's a fucking incredible feeling. It's awesome to see. It's exactly what I want it to be. It's literally the exact portrait I had in my brain when I started this and it's starting to get there and it's crazy and I love it and I just want to say in this penultimate episode of 2021, that's all because of you. That's all because of everybody who listens every Tuesday and Thursday, everybody who, you know, you're sending the episode, you're sending the TikTok clip, you're responding, you're interacting, right? You're sending me a text. Hey, that was funny. Whatever. Anybody who's played a part in any way, I appreciate it. It's we're, we're going somewhere. We're moving, we're moving here. This, this operation is in motion folks. And it's all credit to you guys. I really do appreciate everybody who listens. Like it's hard to get people to listen. It's hard. I listen to podcasts. It's hard to like get a podcast that fucking cracks the rotation. I understand. So I really do appreciate everyone who does listen. And beyond that, if you share it with your friends, Hey, Hey man, listen to this Detroit sports podcast. Like you got to check it out. That's what I want to happen too. I appreciate that because Chicago's got them. New York's got them. Boston's got them. Detroit, what is it? It's the fucking radio. And then the guys at Woodward Sports who want to bash every single thing that happened. They want to call Dan Campbell a fraud two games into the season. Like, I I don't see the appeal on that. So I want to build something for everyone. Like, I hate Michigan. I still want to talk about Michigan. I still want to give some Michigan fans more of the lighthearted feed, more of the lighthearted chatter. When Michigan State plays them, I'm going to be an asshole. I'm going to be insufferable, but outside of that one week, we'll try to keep it tame. We'll talk as unbiased as I possibly can be, even though I'll never actually be unbiased. I like I say, at the top of every show, the motor city and the Mitten state, I want this to become the premier outlet and a community. You come, you you comment on the TikToks, you chop it up in the comment section. You send in ideally at some point you send in emails. We'll do e- Hey, Nick, what do you think about Jared Goff? Whatever whatever. We'll do emails, 15, 20 minutes a show, just answering questions. I want it to be a community. I want you guys to be involved. I can feel it growing, I can feel your involvement increasing the shirts too. December is the best month I've had since I started doing the shirts, which again, obviously is by, by the, the responsibility of you guys and nobody else, you guys taking notice, you guys sharing the cool designs, you guys supporting, you guys willing to support it's fucking incredible. I really do appreciate it. I really, really do. I, I cannot wait for 2022. I feel like 2022 is going to be big time. I feel like it's going to be big time. I don't know. I, th- I don't know what goals, th- like I, th- what numbers I should be aiming for, but I feel like by the end of 2022, this time next year, the TikTok will be something notable. I think this podcast will be something notable. I think the brand, the second string, the shirts, whether it's Michigan stuff, state stuff, Detroit sports stuff, even just the second string branded stuff or the Detroit more city lifestyle stuff. I think that's going to, you know, be on people's radars. I just feel very good. I feel very optimistic, positive, confident, happy, satisfied, uh, thankful. Yeah. So I just wanted to start off today's episode thanking everybody who's listened and supported along the way, whether you're new or or if you've been here from the start. We're only going up, baby. We are only going up, and I'll tell you this. When Dave Portnoy comes calling with that sack of money, it'll be you who who come to mind. It'll be you who feel that. It's not going to be the people, oh, when it happens, oh, this, this guy, this Detroit guy, cool. It's going to be the people who've been here from day one. Those are the people that matter you are the people that matter. So I appreciate it. We'll take a quick break. I I mean, this isn't going to be just me for 60 minutes. We'll take a quick break. Dan Campbell, that motherfucker, Dan Campbell got a second win. we're going to talk lions. I don't know, Michigan, Michigan state. I don't know. I don't really feel like talking Michigan, Michigan state. Who knows? Actually, who knows? This may not be the penultimate episode. This may be the third to last episode. We may do one next Tuesday. Yeah, we I think we're gonna have to. Tuesday the twenty-eighth, we'll have an episode, and that'll be Michigan State in the Peach Bowl, Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Nothing else. Not a a lick of anything else. Um, so today we'll just do Lions, dude. We'll do Lions. The Pistons got their first win and fucking 15 games how is that possible it's the nba red wings cooking larkin cooking i don't know we may save them for thursday because that's the other thing now we got an episode thursday maybe we'll do some michigan basketball michigan state basketball as well as the red wings thursday so we'll take a quick break we'll do some lions and then we'll take it from there That rat bastard Motor City Dan Campbell got it done again. Jared Goff got it done again, dude. Can we give it up just right off the rip here? Before we get in too deep, before we talk about anything else, right off the rip, can we give it up one time for Jared Goff? Can we give it up one time for him? I think that's the best game he's played in his Lions career for sure. Can't say I remember all his Rams games because I for sure fucking don't because I definitely didn't watch all of them. As far as this season, as far as the Honolulu Blue, as far as Jared Goff being a Bloomfield Hills resident, that's the best game he's played, in my opinion. I mean, he he drove the ball down the field. That throw, I think it was to Josh Reynolds in the end zone, was a laser beam, a throw I didn't know Jared Goff could make, to be quite frank. He managed the game. He had the one pick, but whatever. It didn't really matter. They were in control. He managed the game well, right? He didn't, other than the pick didn't make any stupid plays. It felt like it felt like not only not making stupid plays, but every time there was a play to make, every time there was a guy open, he found that guy and he made the right throw cuz we've seen a billion times, a billion times this year there's someone wide open in the flat and he he throws it into triple coverage and maybe it doesn't get intercepted, but it just forfeited a first down. Right There's a guy runs a dig. He's wide open. Jared Goff throws the deep ball anyway and throws it out of bounds. Didn't necessarily wasn't a mistake that nothing bad happened, but it could have been a 15 yard gain. It felt like a a fairly flawless performance from him outside of the interception. And I didn't know he was capable of that, to be honest. I mean, that dude's gotten ripped on. That guy's gotten ripped on all season long. Who who are we? I got guys. (laughs) I thought it was very funny. I I made a video after the game, naturally, because the Lions fucking won. What am I going to do? Not make a TikTok? Of course I am. Made a video, and I have people in the comments. (laughs) It's so funny how people act. I got people in the comments going, we got to bring back Jared Goff next year. (laughs) People, like multiple unsolicited I'm not dropping a bait comment saying what do we think about Jared Goff nothing unsolicited Jared Goff truthers unsolicited not asking about Jared Goff not what do we think of QB for next year none of that shit I just make the video I leave I got multiple people In the comments, talking about how we need to hold off on a QB this year and give Goff one more year with more talent and see if he can get it done. (laughs) Can you fucking believe that? (laughs) The same Jared Goff that's been playing all these other games this season, that same dude. Got people in the comments like fucking banging the drum for him to be the starter next year. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe my eyes when I was reading some of these comments. I love it. I love, I love the enthusiasm and I love just, sports fans are the funniest breed of people like those same guys you know for a fact four weeks ago those same guys were talking about how Jared Goff's the worst quarterback in the NFL they were talking about how he doesn't belong in the NFL (laughs) they were just ripping him apart probably three weeks ago you know it for a fact and now here they are talking about how he needs to be the starter next year hilarious but rightfully so I mean Jared was unreal and like I said a guy who's gotten ripped on like I'm sure he sees it. Uh, Whatever Dan Campbell says, even if Dan Campbell's super supportive and is like, Jared, you're the man. You're the man. You got this. Jared Goff has internet. Like I'm sure he sees Twitter. I'm sure he knows people are out there running their mouths during games, talking about how he's the worst quarterback they've ever watched. Like it's the 21st century. So good for him. I'm glad he battled through who knows what his mental was like. Who knows if it was phasing him. I'm sure at some point, like, 13 weeks, 12 weeks of people ripping on you at some point has to take a toll, you would imagine. But I'm glad he got to prove some people wrong. I'm glad because he probably thinks, dude, I can do this. I'm capable. I'm a good quarterback. I can win games here. Like, that's what he probably thinks. And I hope he thinks that. I don't want a quarterback going out there like, I fucking suck. Why am I even, what am I doing? I don't want that shit. Leave that at home, bro. Leave that shit on the blacktop in fifth grade. I want a guy going in who's a killer. I want that dude going in there like, I'm about to go for 600 yards and 12 touchdowns. I don't care that they're the best defense in the NFL. That's the guy I want. If you end up putting up three points on the total game, so be it. But I want the mentality of, I'm going to go in there and put up 80. Jared Goff. I'd assume he's confident. I'd assume he's going into these games like, I can fucking do this. He knows he belongs. And it was good to see him prove himself right because, I don't know, dude, like I get their millionaires and they get paid a fuck ton and like the life of the pro athlete, obviously not a ton to like feel sorry for. But at some point, I've talked about it before on here, like losing games, whether you're the QB or the fucking towel guy, Losing games sucks. Losing games takes a toll. Losing games makes you question things. Losing games not only makes you question like your talent and your ability, makes you question, do I even want to be here? Is this even worth it? That like that's the level of toll losing games takes. So it's good to see him bounce back. I, I'm happy for him. He deserves it. He played fucking incredible dude. I mean, he does that. How what have they played now? 13 games, 14 games. He does that 14 times this year. Lions probably got like four or five wins. And the way they ran the ball. When you can run the ball like that, you could have a fucking fold up chair playing QB. You'd win a handful of football games. And that was the beauty of that was the beauty of yesterday. Well Sunday. This is coming out on Tuesday. That was the beauty of Sunday. They did what we needed when we expected this team to be. In the offseason, when you looked at the roster, you knew there were weak spots. You knew the lines, you know, like they this team wasn't going to fucking run the table. But you could look at that offensive line and say, those guys, if Sewell's cracked up to what they're saying he's going to be, which he by all accounts has, he's been unfucking believable this year. You look at that offensive line group and it was like, all right, these guys can do something. Like these guys, they're like – top of the top of the league type stuff, maybe not the best, but they are one of the better groups in the league. You get an offensive line like that and we prove this again, or we prove this as well on Sunday too. You get an offensive line like that. It starts to not really matter who your running back is. It starts to not matter as much who your quarterback is. It starts not to matter as much who your wide receivers are. You get an elite offensive line, you get an offensive line that can push guys back and get you four yards a carry any fucking time you want. All of a sudden, a guy like Craig Reynolds, who was watching Netflix a couple months ago, can come in and run for a hundred yards. All of a sudden, that's possible. All of a sudden, DeAndre Swift being injured, not a huge deal. Not a huge deal. All of a sudden, the run game with, can hum along with essentially anybody who has motor control over their legs. Oop, that's my watch going off there. Matt Sundin. <laughs> Matt Sundin just got pulled up on my watch. That's uh, that's weird. I don't know why motor control is that what it picked up. Matt Sundin, <laughs> the fucking Maple Leafs guy. Um. Anyway, that threw my that threw my train of thought off. And not to mention the run game, obviously, but quarterback Jared Goff, dude, his life becomes 5 million times easier when you put him behind a good offensive line. And especially for a guy like Jared Goff, you look at some of the greats at the QB position, like the Russell Wilsons, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, the Pat Mahomes, what makes those guys so great? Obviously they're super smart. They got great arms, blah, blah, blah. But the one thing to me that sets them apart is the fact that they can bail teams out. They can bail your offensive line out. You get a free rusher. All three of those guys can make a guy mess. All three of those guys can extend the play. All three of those guys can buy time, which bails out the offensive line and helps out the wide receiver and make a throw. All those guys can do it. All the best can do that. Jared Goff, the opposite. Jared Goff, couldn't buy you a second in a fucking clock store. I don't know if that analogy makes any sense, but you get what I'm trying to say. He can't buy time for dicks. You need your offensive line to perform when Jared Goff's your your quarterback. If they don't, he's getting sacked every single time someone gets in the backfield. When you get sacks consistently or when you give up sacks consistently, it's fucking hard to pick up first downs. When it's hard to pick up first downs, it's hard to score points. When it's hard to score points, you lose a lot of football games. That's just the way it goes. So this offensive line, we knew would be the strength of not only the offense, but the team coming into this year. It felt like everything we've done all season. And by we, I mean the Detroit Lions. It feels like everything, the, the O-line, the offense, everything everybody's worked towards, everything they thought this team would look like, came to fruition on Sunday. The identity of the offense, which was run the football, and when you're running the football, the play action's open, and when the play action's open, you don't need to beat Tom Brady to make those throws, right? When you run the ball, when you get movement, when you open up holes, you don't need Saquon Barkley or Dalvin Cook in the backfield. A guy who was on your practice squad all season can do the job. And as far as defense goes, the job – Aaron Glenn has done unfucking believable Unbelievable what he's done. I mean, he, he shut down the Arizona Cardinals. He shut down one of the most dynamic quarterbacks and offenses in the NFL. Fucking easily, it seemed. I know the Cardinals got stuffed in the red zone a couple times. You know, that's still good defense. Kyler Murray is one of those guys I just mentioned. He can make plays. He makes plays with his legs that most guys can't. He can make the throws. He's a fucking freak athletically. He's the fastest guy I've ever seen. No problem for the Lions. He's one of those guys that changes your game plan. Like when you play immobile or fairly immobile QBs, you don't need to worry about a quarterback spy or or rushing the ends and contain you don't need to worry about the qb running and being another option that can kill you you play a guy like kyler murray you have to adjust your entire defensive scheme just to avoid him toasting you with their legs it's a different animal when you play teams with quarterbacks like him and aaron glenn made it look fucking simple this weekend simple the Cardinals looked out of sorts. The Cardinals looked like a dysfunctional offense. The Cardinals didn't look anything like a 10-3 and 3 team that relied on the star power of their offense. I mean, their offense was a fucking wet potato. They didn't do shit. They didn't have the capacity to do shit. Aaron, I, I, I'm, I'm mind-blown at what he's done with the defense. This defense last season couldn't stop a paper cut. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. All of a sudden, 10-3 and NFC-leading Arizona Cardinals come to town, and they can't figure out how to pick up a first down. And it's not like this defense was overhauled. As a matter of fact, this defense has been underhauled. Everybody, it feels like, is injured. We didn't add or address the biggest position of need, which is the rush end position, the pass rush position. Nobody, no big time free agent at defensive end, no draft pick at defensive end, no huge linebacker pickup. You know, we didn't get Micah Parsons, who's changing the defense. Jeff Okuda's out. If he has been out essentially the whole year, I think he played this weekend, though. Amani Oruwari is one of the few shining spots. Jerry Jacobs was out. I don't know how Aaron Glenn has done it. Aubrey Pleasant, the defensive backs coach. I don't know what these guys have done. I don't know if our secondary are taking performance enhancing drugs. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this is happening. That the defense last year was maybe the worst defense I've ever watched in my entire life at least at an NFL level. They couldn't stop anything. It was an automatic touchdown it felt like anytime the other team got it. Anytime the defense got torched or exploited, they never did anything which is you know, mainly Patricia's fault. They never did anything to adjust to try and fix their problems to even just, you know what, the last eight weeks, the strategy hasn't worked. Maybe we try something new, nothing, no common sense even within the defense. And I've talked, I don't want to talk about that fat loser. I've talked about him enough and his woes and fucking, what's the word? What's the word? Stubbornness. I've talked about that fat clown enough. But Aaron Glenn, with no or seemingly no influx of talent, no big time playmakers that can kind of just erase problems that can fix problems that can be difference makers, nothing like that, no big free agent, no big draft pick, has turned this defense into a good one. not not just a serviceable one, a good, a very good defense with backup cornerbacks with backup safeties, with Alex Anzalone as a start, Alex Anzalone, Alex Anzalone as a starting linebacker. And they went and shut down the Cliff Kingsbury, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Kyler Murray, James Connor, Arizona Cardinals, shut them down. Unfucking real. I don't know how. And it's not just this week. It's not just the. the this wasn't just a fluke this week. They've been playing good defense all season long. Out, what? They had two games, two or three games where they've gotten big numbers put up on them. Every other game, it feels like they hold the other team to under 20 points. That's what it honestly feels like. It, how many games does it feel like the Lions have lost like 17 to 6, 21 to 10? Like defense is fine. They just literally cannot sc- score a point. How many times? And finally, would you look at it as soon as the offense wakes up, whether it was this week against Arizona or a few weeks ago against Minnesota, as soon as the offense wakes up, as soon as the offense figures out how to score some points, whoa, now the Lions win a couple games. Whoa, would you believe that? All of a sudden, when the, when the offense breaks the 20-point threshold, oh, we're fucking cooking with gas. Un- unbelievable job from Aaron Glenn. Everybody on the defense. The players, the coaches, the guy washing the fucking jock straps. Unbelievable job from everybody on the defense. If you're Dan Campbell, your number one offseason priority. Figure out the draft. But outside of that, your number one offseason priority, you make sure Aaron Glenn stays in Detroit. I don't know if you have to call up Sheila Ford Hamp and you know ask her to. Put a down payment on a house in Bloomfield Hills for Aaron. I don't know if you need to call Sheila Ford Hamp and ask her to get a, a vintage Ford Bronco for Aaron on the house. I don't know what it takes to get it done. What I do know is you gotta keep Aaron Glenn in Detroit. No questions asked. No questions asked. He wants lobster every meal of the day. Fucking take it, dude. We'll become a sea the Lions will become a, a daylight football team, moonlight seafood restaurant. He wants to wear suede. He wants to wear suede uniforms next year. Call up the call up the uniform designer, whatever he wants. He gets you keep Aaron Glenn in Detroit because I'll be honest. Some of the greatest minds Bill Belichick, the most revered mind in football. I don't know if he could have done with this defense. What Aaron Glenn has done from last year to this year not only the numerical disparity like the the points against the yards against but the way they look the way that they play the energy that they come with those guys look those guys out there this this year look like they want to be there they look like they're interested in making stops they look like they have some swagger they look like they go out there like these fucking guys aren't i don't care if they're the 10 and 3 card i don't care who it is these fucking guys aren't scoring points on us last year they'd come out under the fat fuck They would come out deflated, like a wet whoopee cushion, like a deflated balloon. They would come out, (sniffs) hang up 40 on us, please, so I can go home. (sniffs) You know, run for 300 yards so I can go stare at a fucking wall for the rest of the night. I don't know if Belichick performs the kind of turnaround this defense has seen, and Aaron Glenn did. You keep him around. And last but not least, Dan Campbell talked about it last week or two weeks ago and we'll talk about it again he knows he knows the formula if you if you think if you're still a doubter you're still sitting there like oh this guy's not a coach he's a tight end rah-rah guy he's not a coach he knows the formula that's my favorite part about this weekend he knows the formula we saw the they drafted Sewell the way the team's already built is built a way Dan Campbell wants it to be built. The strengths being the offensive line, that's what he wants. He knows the formula. He understands the game of football. At the end of the day, it comes down to the line of scrimmage. At the end of the day, it comes down to your offensive line and your defensive line. It's a fact. Yeah, if you have Pat Mahomes, that changes things a bit, but unless you have him, It comes down to the offensive line and the defensive line. You put Tom Brady behind a bad offensive line. I know he's Tom Brady. He's not, you know, it's going to be tough. You put Russell Wilson, even though he's kind of played his whole career, behind a bad offensive line, it seems like. You put him behind a bad offensive line. His job becomes a lot harder. The running backs. Jobs become a lot harder. Everyone's job becomes a lot harder. If you don't have a good offensive line, conversely, if you have a good offensive line, everybody's jobs just became way fucking easier, way, way, way fucking easier, way easier. And let me explain if you have, who's the best wide receiver in the NFL today? Who is it? Justin Jefferson. He's got a tutty tonight. Who is it? Whoever it is. You put the best wide receiver in the NFL with a bad offensive line, that wide receiver is not bailing anybody out. That that bad wide receiver can't cover up for your offensive line being bad. Guess why? Because your quarterback's sacked and he never gets the ball. I don't care how well he runs his routes. I don't care how good his hands are. I don't care how good he is after the catch. He cannot make up for a bad offensive line. The best running back in the league. He can make up for a bad offensive line to a point. Maybe the first free man, the first missed block he can erase. You miss three blocks, you're getting blown up into the backfield. He can only cover for the offensive line so much. Best quarterback, same deal. He can can cover for the offensive line a little bit. If he's got legs, he can, you know, he can run out of the pocket. He can extend some plays. He can avoid the rush. If he doesn't have legs, you're fucked. If he has legs, he can, you know, he can cover for the offensive line a little bit to an extent. The offensive line can cover nearly all the way at every position. You're an okay quarterback. We saw it this week with Jared Goff. You got all day to throw. You're in the fucking NFL, bro. You're in the NFL. You have all day to throw. You're going to complete some passes. You're going to move the ball. Same with a running back. We saw it this week. You could have been watching Netflix in August. You got a good offensive line. It's pretty fucking easy to run the football. You just go where nobody else is. You go to the spot where there's a hole 10 yards wide. You go to the area where everybody on the other team is getting pushed backwards. That's where you – It's anybody can fucking do it. You're a wide receiver. Maybe you're not the fastest guy, the biggest guy, the tallest guy. You got a nutty O line, dog. Anybody can get open on a seven second route. Anybody can get open on a quadruple move. Anybody can get open when your quarterback's just standing there waiting for you to get open. The offensive line covers for every single position group to a level that no position group can cover for them. Same thing for the defensive line. You get pressure, it covers the secondary and the linebackers. You don't get pressure. Guess what? Now the linebackers, are they playing the run? Are they playing the pass? Secondary's covering for 10 seconds. Their job's impossible. It all revolves around the line, and that was my favorite part of this weekend. You saw the Lions' identity start to take shape. They want to run the football. After they run the football, they want to throw it, play action. And it will be possible because they've run the football. doesn't matter who they have running the football because their offensive line will create holes I could run through. That's going to be their identity. That was the best part of watching this game Sunday. They found an identity. They revealed their identity. They fulfilled their identity. I mean, you'd think Dan Campbell's been preaching that all year long. They finally went out and fucking did it. They went out and manhandled the team. Now the scary part, you get some talent in there. You You got that offensive line with a quarterback who can make plays. With a QB who on that off chance, someone gets in the pocket, can scramble and make a throw. You get those wide receivers that can get open right off the line. You get those wide receivers that can make plays after they catch the football. Again, another Amon Ra, another great game for him. He's going to be around next year. He's a, he's, he's part of the future. The identity took shape. I don't give a fuck about the draft pick. I don't care that we have the second pick and not the first. That was a culture game. That was a culture game for the identity. That was a culture game for people believing in Dan Campbell. Not you and me believing in Dan Campbell. The guys on the team believing in Dan Campbell. That what he's been saying for 13 weeks, you go out and you beat the Cardinals like that, doing what he told you, that validates Dan Campbell. Now guys are looking around like, fuck, this guy knows. Yeah, this guy's right. He knows what he's talking about. That carries over into next year when you do have the pieces, when you do understand what it takes to win. It's all part of the long game. I don't give a fuck that they don't have the first overall pick, dude. It was never a clear-cut pick. Now, if this was the Andrew Luck draft or even Chase Young, I'd be a little peeved. It's not. Kayvon Hutch, I don't care. Whoever, Whoever Houston takes or Jacksonville, whoever's got the first pick, whoever they want to take, I'll gladly take the second guy. Don't give a fuck. Even if we fall, if we went again and fall to like the third or fourth pick, whatever, dude, we're going, we got Pene Sewell at seven. He's one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL, and he's what, 20? As far as Brad Holmes, as far as I'm concerned with him and who they draft, I don't care if they had the last pick in the first round. I'm confident we're going to get a good player. These games, the identity, people buying in, people believing in Dan Campbell, that means more to me than... Oh, we get to choose which defensive end we get. I don't give a fuck. I'm more concerned with Dan Campbell proving himself right. Dan Campbell winning the hearts of the guys in the locker room. Dan Campbell proving he knows what he's doing. That, the identity they had, proved to me this guy knows exactly what's up. You don't win games with wide receivers and cornerbacks. You win games with offensive and defensive linemen. It's a fact. It's a fucking fact. All right. Great win for the Lions. I love Lions football. I'm already, it sucks because now that game just made me excited for next year. So it's like, I got to fucking wait, what, eight months, nine months till next season. So that kind of blows, but I love Lions football. Winning's better than losing, baby. Quick break. We'll talk a little Pistons, maybe five, 10 minutes. And for the first time, in 15 games, the Detroit Pistons win a game. Not the Detroit Lions. Not the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Pistons win a game. They have half as many wins as the Detroit Lions now in the month of December. I don't know what it. Like if it says more about the Pistons or if it says more about the Miami Heat that they won that game last night. I, I feel like if you are a Miami Heat fan, if you're a player If you're a coach, it's got to be the same feeling the Vikings had, losing to the Pistons. It's got to be the same feeling the Cardinals have. Like, you don't lose to the Pistons. What does that say about you? What does that say about your energy level, your focus? Losing to the Pistons? And as far as the Pistons go, how do you play 15 NBA games, or 14 I should say, and not win? One. How is that possible? 14 games in a row and you've lost all of them? How the fuck do you do that? How the fuck do you do that, dude? How the fuck do you do that? 14? Oh, my God. It's it's pathetic is what it is. It's pathetic that we're out here like, yay, ironically. It's lion shit. The Pistons, uh, it's Lions levels of sad. We're out here celebrating after the 15th game. They finally won one. Like, ha, 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 hilarious, sarcastic celebration. That is pathetic, dude. That's pathetic, dude. Like basketball, it, thats basketball is a sport where you're supposed to kind of just trade wins and losses. Like, you, you lose a handful, you win one. You lose 3-4, you win one. You lose 3-4, you win one. Like, you're a bad team, you lose 3-4, you win one. It's not you lose 12, 13, 14, you win one. It's you lose 3 or 4, win one. Losing 14 to win one, that's, I mean, that's terrible. That's fucking terrible. And it goes with the theme of the entire Piston season, which is how are they worse than they were last year? How are they way worse? than they were last year. Not only do they lose still, but how are they unwatchable more unwatchable than there were last year? And I've been over that. I've done like 10 podcasts. I feel like already about just their unwatchability and like the conundrum, the, the phenomenon of how are they actually just a f- like way inferior product? <laughs> like it's not only, it's not, uh, they're, they're pretty similar. They just, you know, come out on the wrong side of a couple. It's like, no, They're way fucking worse. Like way, I refuse to put them on television. I literally would rather turn on an infomercial than watch the Pistons play a game of basketball. I'm sorry, but it's the truth, dude. I, I literally would rather go to the Billy Mays channel, RIP, than watch the Pistons. I really would rather go to a channel that shows nothing but grass farmers and their processes to grow the most lush grass on earth. I really would rather watch that than the Pistons. We've done a, I've done a million already. I don't want to talk about it more. It's just sad, I, and I don't understand. I really don't like. It's essentially the same team, but now you have Cade Cunningham, and you just can't fucking win. It takes you fifteen. <laughs> it takes you fifteen games to win one, dude. Fifteen? What is that? One sixth of a season? Almost a little more. What? You, 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 what? All your, all the rookies from last year that were kind of the lifeblood of your team, they get another year in the gym. They get another year of training and you add Cade Cunningham and you get worse. What? I don't, is there a math equation? Can I plug that in to an Excel file that like gives me some sort of reasonable answer? Excuse me. You add Cade Cunningham and you get, you get worse. Ah. I'm sorry. I don't think I heard you right. I'm sorry. You get worse, you said. What? I don't understand. I really don't. I I mean, I don't understand. It makes no fucking sense. But good for them. They won one. Good Christmas miracle. Happy or Merry Christmas to all of the Pistons fans. I wish I could say that that win affected me anywhere near the level of the Lions win did. Um, It didn't even come close. It didn't even really move the meter at all like not even a bounce of the meter, nothing. Didn't do anything for me, that Pistons game. But for all the diehard Pistons fans out there, I'm happy for you. Merry Christmas. I'm happy you get some f- beam. If it, Would it even qualify as a beam? A shred, probably a better word. You get some shred of positivity going into the holidays and the new year because, man, they are fucking depressing. They really are. They really are. Um, And Miami Heat, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you let that happen. I think it is. I mean, Detroit is a party town. Like, as far as the pro teams go, when you play your road games in Detroit, we're a team, we're a city that you go out to dinner the night before, get a little schwaisty, have a few cocktails, maybe you hit Legends for 10, 15, four hours. Maybe. Maybe that's how it goes. I think it probably is. You're probably not doing as bad as you want to. When you go play the Lakers, you're probably not getting sauced up on vino before LeBron takes the floor with you. Oh, when you go play the Pistons, the team that's lost 14 straight. Yeah. You're probably ordering that Don Julio and you're probably killing the bottle at dinner. You just are. You just aren't. I don't blame them, dude. I do the same fucking thing. How are you not? You're playing the Pistons. How are you not going to get wasted? And that was probably their undoing. Pistons will take it. They need them anyway. they can get them. They really fucking do what they should start doing. The Pistons should strike up some sort of collab with legends where I don't know, somehow the players get a discount. The players, you have to buy lap dances are half off for the visiting NBA team, but you have to buy four drinks. That way everybody wins those guys. Minimum four drinks. You're not going to get the best night's sleep. You will not be feeling the best the next day. But, but in their minds, you're playing the Pistons. Who gives a fuck? And half off lap dances, you can't pass that up. That would actually be, that's how the Pistons win the next NBA championship. I'm not realizing. That's actually a genius idea. I don't know how, I don't know why I just said that for free on these airwaves. That's something that I should actually like email at Detroit Pistons, Chris Illage at Detroit Pistons dot com or Tom Gores rather at DetroitPistons.com, hey, Tom, I'd be happy to be the liaison. We strike up a deal with Legends. You never play a team at full strength at home again. You start winning some games. Legends gets a little more business. Everybody wins. That's, I mean, that's kind of a genius idea, but that's where the Pistons are at. You need to be hung over to have a chance to lose. 15 games to win one, bro. That I, I just don't even... I don't know. I just don't even understand that. Like, I've seen the Red Wings be fucking bad. Like, really bad. Historically bad. NHL record-breaking bad. They never lost 14 games in a row. (laughs) Like, what, dude? What? What? (laughs) 14. The sad part is a couple things. The sad part is in the month of December, outside of the, ironically enough, the game against Miami that they won, Cade's been lights out. Cade's averaging like 26 and five in the month of December. He's been fucking, he's a rookie dude, averaging 20 points, six assists, five boards in the month of December. He's been unbelievable. And then they play Miami. He has four points, 10 rebounds, three assists, and they win. (laughs) Well, Sadiq Bay. Sadiq Bey, the last three, is finally turning it on. So that's the key. If Sadiq Bey can sustain this, I mean, he's been awful, awful, awful to start the season. The few games I have watched, he literally cannot make a three. I haven't seen him make a jump shot anytime I've watched him this year, but I know the last three, he's turned it on. He had 26 against the Heat. I think high 20s the last two nights, too, or the two previous games before that. Cade needs help, bottom line. Jeremy Grant's out now, his finger's fucked up. Cade needs help if Sadiq can get it going. Ideally, Killian comes along in some capacity. Obviously, Cade keeps going. Jeremy comes back. Maybe they'll win some games. Maybe they'll be kind of entertaining, but I don't know. We're right back where we were last year fucking get the first overall pick bring in Paolo Banchero, and i don't know let's try to be watchable let's forget winning games forget a playoff run let's try to be watchable next year how's that sound let's let's make me rather watch the pistons than turn the television off next year let's start there then we can worry about winning games then we can worry about beating our divisional teams then we can worry about the playoffs let's just be more interesting than an infomercial let's start there all right, folks, that's all I got tonight. Um, appreciate everybody who listens, the support. Like I said, everything at the top of the show really does mean a lot. I feel good about the direction of this and what we're building here, and it's credit to you guys. So thank you once again. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hope you have a wonderful week. I'll be back here Thursday. We'll talk some Red Wings on Thursday. Um, and then let's we'll probably do some college hoops. MSU plays today when you're hearing this. So the Thursday episode, we'll talk some MSU hoops. Maybe a little Michigan. Um, We'll see. Anyways, I'll see you Thursday. Thanks again. Positive vibes only, people.